Hi, I'm Matt Bush, the news director at Blue Ridge Public Radio. The following is a candidate forum we held in our studios on February 5th with the candidates running for the Democratic nomination for the North Carolina State Senate seat for District 49, which covers central and western Buncombe County. Democrat Terry Van Dyne currently holds the seat but is vacating it to run for lieutenant governor in 2020. Republican Bob Penland is running for his party's nomination unopposed. His opponent in the fall will be one of the three candidates you'll hear next. But before we get to that, a reminder that early voting for the primary election in North Carolina runs until February 29th. Those who have not registered to vote yet will only be able to do so during the early voting period. The deadline to request an absentee by mail ballot is February 25th, and primary day itself is Tuesday, March 3rd. And remember, you do not need photo ID to vote in the primary election. Now, on with the show. Joining us are Ben Scales, Travis Smith, and Julie Mayfield. Thank you all for agreeing to participate today and coming in. We will begin the opening statements with Ben Scales. Thank you. Uh, My name is Ben Scales, and I've devoted my life to service over self and standing up for the powerless against the forces of oppression. I'm running for the North Carolina Senate because I believe that our community needs strong, progressive leadership in Raleigh. As your senator, I will offer bold solutions to create real change in our state, such as a Green New Deal to address the twin crises of income inequality and the climate emergency, restoring education funding slashed over the past decade of Republican leadership, raising the minimum wage, expanding Medicaid until we have a single-payer health care system. I want to restore a fair and progressive tax system, including wealth and estate taxes on the ultra-rich. For criminal justice reform, I want to end cash bail in the war on drugs, and I want to enact comprehensive cannabis law reform that not only legalizes the plant, but also ensures that the people of color who have borne the brunt of the injustices of the prohibition not only participate, but thrive within the new industries that legalization will create. I'm also going to focus on ending Duke's monopoly Duke Energy's monopoly on power distribution and holding Duke and other corporate polluters accountable for the damage they've done to our environment. Closer to home, I will work to abolish the TDA as it's currently structured and replace it with a political body that's accountable to you, the people, who will administer the hotel occupancy tax and other new tourism taxes for the benefit of the local community and not for the private interests of an unelected group of hoteliers. The time has come for law and policy changes that benefit all those who choose to live in our district and not just the privileged few. My campaigns for district attorney have taught me that the people of Buncombe County are as hungry as I am for the changes I propose. Thus, I feel called to seek your consideration to be your next senator from North Carolina Senate District 49. Thank you. We now go to Travis Smith. Thanks, Matt. Hi, everyone. My name is Travis Smith, and I'm running to be our next state senator. I'm a progressive Democrat, and I biked to the studio today. Um, I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada. I I immigrated to the U.S. 12 years ago, and my wife and I live pretty close to downtown Asheville here. We had our first child last year at Mission Hospital. And as a progressive Democrat, we've got a lot of work to do in North Carolina. I'm a dedicated and active member of our community. I'm a, I'm a board member with Asheville Buncombe Crime Stoppers. I'm a board member with the Asheville Tool Library. And I volunteer with Citizens Climate Lobby. 
And what we do is we lobby Congress, we make regular trips to DC, and we have uh, meetings with congressional offices to lobby for action on climate change. We're, we're 40 years late, but better late than never, we need a price on carbon pollution now. Um, in North Carolina, we need to better fund our public schools. We need to expand Medicaid. We need action on climate change from Duke Energy. And we need to raise our minimum wage. But we also need more funding for infrastructure and services, things like affordable housing in Asheville. And our occupancy tax in Buncombe County should be doing more to help us. We're, we're getting lots of money from our tourists, but there's a 40-year-old state law that's forcing us to spend 75% of all that revenue on more advertising for tourism. I want to change that in the Senate. Our, ideally, our city and county should be in control of our occupancy tax, not Raleigh. Um, you can learn more at travissmithnc.com. Thank you. Okay. And Julie Mayfield. Great. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Julie Mayfield, and I am running, as these gentlemen are, for the Senate seat in Senate District 49. Um, I am a public interest environmental attorney. I've been representing um, people and the environment against entrenched interests and um, government agencies that have abdicated their responsibility to protect the environment uh, for over 20 years. And I do that today um, as my um, primary job as co-director of Mountain True. Uh, regional advo environmental advocacy organization. I also have represented um, the people of the city of Asheville for the last uh, four years on city council. In that role, I have led council's efforts on transit, transportation, clean energy, affordable housing, and in, um, in, in working towards shifting the occupancy tax uh, so that we as a community do have more of a say in how those how those dollars are spent. Um, I am running because I want to continue to work on those issues and have a broader and deeper impact statewide and also to expand the issues that, that I'm able to affect like Medicaid expansion, education, and other important state issues. Um, I'm also running to try to free Asheville and other cities in the state from the yoke of Raleigh. There are many, many things that our residents want and demand that we simply cannot do as a city, uh, and it is time to give us that authority. Uh, in terms of my experience, I, um, I can do this job. I have been a lobbyist um, for many years. I have re relationships with every member of our Western North Carolina delegation, including the Republicans, most importantly, perhaps the Republicans. Through those relationships, um, I have brought over $4 million to Western North Carolina for conservation projects. Um, I know this job. I have those relationships. I have relationships with the governor and the De Department of Environmental Quality Secretary and their senior staff. Um, I can hit the ground running and represent the, res the residents of Senate District 49 um, quickly and effectively, especially on issues of the environment, which are so critical to all of us today. Thank you. Okay. And we'll go now to a question and answer session. Each candidate gets 90 seconds to respond. If a candidate is called out uh, during a response by another candidate, that candidate will then have 30 seconds to respond to that. And I will use that at uh, my discretion. So first question will go to Travis Smith. If elected, you will be heading to uh, the Raleigh and the General Assembly at a time of extreme partisan gridlock. It is now about eight months uh, without a state budget in North Carolina. So how will you navigate that gridlock that exists right now in the General Assembly? And what do you believe you can accomplish given the partisan political climate in North Carolina right now? Sure. Thanks, Matt. So 
This, we are running in the Democratic primary, which is March 3rd. We would then, there would be a single candidate from this that's running in the general election. So this session in the General Assembly is 2021. We are all hopeful, um, all Democrats in this district and North Carolina, we're hopeful to get a majority in the General Assembly. We have new districts across the state for State House, for State Senate, and of course the congressional districts are, are new as well. And so far, we have voter ID that's blocked by a federal court. Will that last till the general election? That's to be determined. But the hope is that we can have a Democratic majority and actually get legislation flowing through the General Assembly to the governor's desk. And ideally, it's Governor Cooper. So that's the goal. If it's deadlock, if we have more of the status quo, more of what we've seen with some pretty grotesque lies and cheating from Republicans, to be quite frank, I would be willing to do that job most certainly, most certainly, and to raise awareness on what kind of cheating is happening. But let's let's be optimistic and let's aim aim for the the goal of having a majority. Julie Mayfield. Yeah, that's a great question, and I think this is a key question for voters to consider. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, I have relationships with uh, every member of our Western North Carolina delegation. Those are constructive, positive relationships. I have, over the last many years, worked with them to get lots of things done, um, particularly on the on the financing side, the budgeting side. Um, and I have no reason to believe that those relationships wouldn't continue once I become an elected official. Uh, so that and. And I think what we all know is that personal relationships are the way, I think the only way, actually, you can bust through that partisan gridlock. Um, so I, I have the ability to do that. The other thing that I'll say is um, if it's one thing that I am good at, it is sitting down and working to find common ground with people I mostly don't agree with. And one example I'll use is um, Duke Energy, with whom I have been in litigation for seven years over coal ash. We have sued them over coal ash, won at every turn. Um, and yet we have also managed to partner together to get lots of good stuff done for the city. Um, NCDOT is another example. Um, and so I, this, is, this is a place of work in this partisan um, place of difference that, that I can absolutely, I have been and can continue to be effective. Okay. Ben Scales. Um, I, I agree that we need to work with our friends in Raleigh um, and uh, we need to make friends in Raleigh. Um, I guess what I would, uh, would, would differ from uh, Councilperson Mayfield uh, on this is that uh, is the, the value of the, of the relationships. Are we sending someone there to be friends? Are we sending someone there to uh, do th take the path of least resistance? Or are we sending someone there to get things done? I have, uh, uh, in my work as a lawyer, I have been part of this of settlement negotiations of huge cases. And in those situations, there's ways to work around and with each other. Um, but I think that if, if, there's, if the personal relationships are too strong there, it's a recipe for compromise. And I don't think that that's what the people of Buncombe County are sending a, a, a person there to do. I also think that um, you need to be able to bring something to the to present to the other side that gives them something. Um, uh, one of my core issues is uh, the legalization of cannabis. And I believe that, that there is so much tax money that is available and so, so, uh, so many jobs that are available that I can appeal to the fiscal 
conservatism of the Republican Party in a way that uh, will allow us to get what we want done on the progressive side. Thanks, Donald. We'll give you 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, so I don't, I don't think people should confuse friendship with path of least resistance. There's nothing in my history that indicates that that's what would happen. Um, uh, but in a Republican-controlled legislature, you, you, you don't have a lot to bring. And those relationships are the only thing that allow you, that would even begin to allow a Democrat to get a bill introduced, would begin to allow a Democrat to work on an issue and make progress on an issue with a Republican majority. Those relationships will serve me well, and they absolutely would not lead to compromise on anything related to my vision or my values for the people of this district. Okay. Go to our next question. It is one you all brought up in your opening statements, and we'll start with Julie Mayfield. And that is what may be the biggest question hanging over Buncombe County politics right now, and that is the Tourism Development Authority and how it uh, awards and spends the money, uh, the revenue from the county occupancy tax. In your role as a state senator, what changes, if any, would you seek to the process of how that money is awarded to the TDA itself and taxes around tourism in general? Yep. Um, great question. So when I was elected to city council, I specifically requested to be council's liaison to or councils, the council member serving on the TDA board because it was important to me to figure this issue out and figure out how this tax needed to change and how we as residents of Buncombe County could have more input into how that money is spent. Um, after these four years, um, we have seen uh, it doesn't feel like a lot of movement, but the conversations that are happening now at the TDA um, are miles from where we were four years ago in terms of getting public input into how that money is spent. I firmly believe that the tax will be changed, uh, hopefully in this legis legislative session, from that 75-25 split to 66-33. I personally think it needs to end up closer to 50-50. Um, there has to be a political path to get there. I don't see that political path right now, but that doesn't mean that in the future that pathway would not open. Um, I also think that that money needs to be spent more on, on, on for broader set of uses, not just... Um, uh, not just capital projects like it is now, but meeting the broader needs of our community around transit uh, and, and other issues that our community has said they want that money to be spent on. Um, I also think the board needs to be broadened to include a wider variety of interests um, from our community sitting around that table and making those decisions. Okay. And Scales. Um, I believe that, that we need to uh, have a very credible threat that the TDA goes away completely. Um, I don't think it should be 66-33. I don't think it should be 50-50. I think it should be 100% controlled by elected officials here in this county. It is a tax. It is not a, 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 a submit. I mean, I know that that's what it's meant for. It was designed that way. The hotels think of it as their money. It's not their money. It's tax money. It belongs to the taxpayers. And the, the residents who, who support, uh, who elect the officials that, that, uh, that should be managing the tax money. No other industry gets to tax themselves and then spend that money to promote themselves. It's just a, it's an unsustainable situation. The county commission could, if they wanted to, stop collecting that tax. And if they do that, then that, I believe, politically brings the, the, the hotel interest to the table so that we can negotiate something that makes sense. But if they're not willing to do that, if they're not willing to uh, uh, 
acknowledge the importance of this as a tax and not as a as a as club dues that they they get to spend how they want, then um, then we need to look at abolishing the TDA. Okay, Travis Smith. Yeah, it's it's a. It's a great question, Matt, and it's one of my main reasons for, for getting into this race and running for state senate is looking at Buncombe County and, and the city of Asheville. We have real serious restrictions on what we can accomplish, um, and, and it's a lack of funding. So you see the city and you see the county say they want to do things like expand public transportation or have ambitious renewable goals. These things take funding. So um, the history of the occupancy tax it's, for us, it goes back to 1983, and throughout the 80s and 90s, throughout North Carolina, different counties and cities ended up having different occupancy taxes. It's extremely varied throughout the state. In our current situation, we are actually kind of outliers. The majority of cities and counties don't have to do a 75% spend. And some counties have enormous flexibility. Orange County and Durham County, only have to spend 10% on additional advertising. And, and Derrick County and the Outer Banks, which we share a strong um, uh, familiarity with in terms of a heavy reliance on tourism, they only, it's, uh, it's layered, slightly different, but really it's about 10% they have to spend on advertising. So there's a lot of flexibility that other places have in North Carolina, and we should have that. So we, we, we've got to change this, and it's a top priority for myself. Our next question will first go to Ben Scales, and that is, what would be the first piece of legislation you would introduce as a state senator? Um, comprehensive cannabis law reform that uh, recognizes the benefits of the, the cannabis plant, not only, uh, and probably is one of the least uh, important benefits that it has is as a, as a recreational inebriant. It's, uh, it's medicine, it's food, it's fuel, it's fiber. We can uh, make plastic from the oils that would replace the plastics that were currently the single-use plastics that, that have, have taken over so much of what we do. Um, we've, it, the, the medical uses of cannabis have been uh, in effect for 30 years now. Um, people have been recognizing and, and using this plant uh, that way. For, well, for a lot longer than that, but at least uh, since 1996, it's been recognized in California. Um, and industrial hemp. Um, we have uh, massive amounts of farmland here that could uh, support industrial hemp, uh, either farmland that was currently or uh, previously devoted to tobacco could be converted to growing hemp, or um, it can be rotated in with other crops. And when it's rotated in, it restores the soil that it grows in and makes it to where you don't need fertilizers the next time around. Um, we can also, uh, we'll all, there'll also be manufacturing jobs in addition to the farming jobs, retail jobs. Um, it's just a, a huge economic engine that I think we need to unleash and we need to be the first state in the South to do it. Travis Smith. Yeah, the, the dream is for a democratic majority because realistically if we don't have that, we're probably going to be seeing what's happening right now, which almost no legislation is moving through. So in that majority, there's going to be a lot of excitement among Democrats to get legislation through on funding our public schools, paying our teachers more, expanding Medicaid. In that opportunity of legislating, legislator actually moving between the House and the Senate, um, I would be working my butt off to get our occupancy tax changed. Working with Senate leadership, 
finding ways to to work if it's hopefully doesn't go to a committee immediately but if it does working with those committee members to understand this is a huge pain point for Buncombe County and almost no no other counties in North Carolina really have this as a concern on their plate they're um, they're not heavily reliant upon tourism like we are so it's it's up to me to to find allies and to find empathy and sympathy from others that this is a big problem for us and we need this change. So that would be my number one. Julie Mayfield. Yeah, my, my first bill would be uh, a comprehensive climate change piece of legislation. Uh, folks may know that the governor um, in 2018 issued an executive order, and there's lots of work happening at the state administrative level on the governor's team. Uh, the legislature is not in that game. And for us, for North Carolina, really to make strides on climate change, the legislature has to be in the game. That's where the legislature sets policy. That That's where policy is set that will move our state off of fossil fuels, which is what needs to happen. Um, the, the legislature needs to require Duke Energy to produce vastly more of its power from renewable and clean sources rather than fossil fuels. Um, that's where uh, we can break Duke Energy's monopoly on energy generation and allow things like third-party sales. Um, that's where there would be funding for uh, local governments to do resiliency planning and disaster planning and also um, uh, uh, disaster, disaster preparedness and response uh, uh, funding and planning. Um, we do need to make our infrastructure stronger and more climate resilient. That's where funding comes from to do that. Um, we need to protect, protect more open space. Uh, that's where funding comes to do that. So there's a whole host. Oh, and we need to do all of this equitably. We need to be taking care um, as we make this transition to, to a cleaner energy future to um, take care of the low and moderate income people in our communities who, who will not be able to afford this transition in the way that others of us are. So I have the relationships with statewide environmental organizations, legislative leadership, and the governor's staff and DEQ to make that happen. Well, our next question is going to touch on climate changes. Your Senate district is home to the National Centers for Environmental Information, which is the federal government's client science office in Asheville. It reported last year was the hottest year on record in North Carolina. So what measures do you support or would you support at the state level to combat the effects of climate change? And we'll start with Travis Smith. Sure. Yeah, this is, this is a great center for climate here. Um, the Collider is here. NOAA is here. We've, we've got a lot of really smart people uh, working here and, and sharing knowledge on the, the state of the world, really, and, and our weather patterns changing. So you said focus on state solutions. I, I do need to briefly touch that I think ultimate action for climate change, federal policy, is absolutely required. And through my volunteer work with Citizens Climate Lobby, we advocate for a carbon fee and dividend. And the carbon fee is a carbon tax and the dividend is returning all revenues from the tax back to citizens. Economists basically unanimously agree this is the best first step for dealing with climate change. And this is what we lobby Congress on. So when people are really excited about Green New Deal legislation, and whenever I talk to any progressive Democrats, I, I urge them to, to read up on carbon fee and dividend. We have to have a price on carbon pollution on the state level. We have fantastic opportunities with Duke Energy and other, other energy utility uh, providers. We have state-sanctioned monopolies across the state. So it's up to the General Assembly to dictate what our path forward is for them 
for energy production. And right now, Duke's not taking it serious, and they have a 2050 plan. It's not ambitious at all. So we need to force them to review what's our portfolio right now. We need to be uh, sprinting to renewables. Okay. Thank you. Julie Mayfield. Yeah, so I won't repeat everything I just said, but basically getting off fossil fuels, protecting more open space, um, uh, helping local governments prepare for disasters and climate resilience. Um, One of of the other things that that a lot of people don't know is that our, by law, our state energy code is always three years behind the international building code. That was done several years ago by the Republican majority. So we are, we are always three years behind the best building standards. So that's another piece that we need to catch up on. And then, and then um, key is going to be allowing local governments to go above and beyond that. So right now, local governments cannot adopt higher levels of green building standards than allowed by state law. And that has to change. For local governments that want to do more, like Asheville, that want to make their cities more climate resilient, do more, um, we have to have that ability. So that needs to happen. Um, we also There also needs to be a, a huge investment in electric vehicles and electric vehicle infrastructure. So tax rebates for electric vehicles vehicles. And then the state is really in the best best position to invest in and deploy electric vehicle infrastructure, either through direct direct installation or through incentives to private landowners to install that. Also, um, electric buses. Every city needs to be transitioning its bus fleet to electric vehicles. Transportation is now the largest source of carbon pollution, greenhouse gas emissions in our our communities. Um, And the state really is the only entity that can help us do that. Ben Scales. Um, the, the previous question you asked for our first uh, uh, legislative cons- uh, issue, um, and, and I would say that my, alongside my cannabis law reform is going to be a Green New Deal legislation. Um, I think that um, we need to make sure we tackle this situation uh, w- with, a, with a two-pronged approach. Um, because we have two big problems with the, we have the climate emergency and we have massive income and wealth inequality and the Green New Deal um, is directed at both of those um, we I don't want to echo I want to echo a lot of the things that that uh, that my my fellow uh, candidates have have proposed because they're they're, they're all great ideas I, I I wouldn't disagree with anything that they've suggested I would um, I would I would in- include and adopt those things um, one thing I that I I would add is uh, high speed rail and I'm pretty sure I would get agreement that that, that high speed rail is something we need um, one of us is going to be going to Raleigh quite a bit and that's going to be sitting in a in a car by ourselves, unable to do anything but maybe listen to podcasts. If we could be sitting on a train and working, how much better off would we be? How much better off would we be if we were all mobile across the the train? I I, I agree that we we need to have more electric cars, but I don't think we need cars at all. I think we need to be, um, we need to work toward mass transit in a way that allows us to move around in a, in a, with a smaller carbon footprint for all of us. Okay. Our next question, we'll start with Julie Mayfield. Since the last election, Mission Health was sold to a for-profit company. That has created a lot of anxiety on how that's going to impact health care, not just in Senate District 49, but all of Western North Carolina. So what changes and measures do you support to ensure access to health care at the state level? 
Yeah, so um, to directly answer your question, the very first thing we need to do is expand Medicaid. That would cover 600,000 people and would increase the economic activity in the state by billions of dollars. No question, that's the starting point. Um, uh, I, I would say on the uh, more particular, well, I'll, I'll also then say we, we can't stop there. Um, there, there is a, a clear relationship between health and equity in our in our society. The single biggest predictor of your health outcome is your zip code, uh, and that's just sad, frankly. Um, you shouldn't be condemned to uh, an inequitable and an unhealthy life based on where you're born. So we need to be tackling, and the state is in the best position to invest in these things um, upstream what we're now calling the social determinants of health, things like better transportation options, more affordable housing, better educational opportunities, better economic opportunities, safer neighborhoods, all of those things need to happen. Um, I will also say on the HCA front, um, the, the, what we are learning about the changes at Mission are very, very troubling. Uh, I hear a lot about that, and um, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts about that that are not appropriate to share now, but um, I hope everybody's planning to come to the um, meeting with the advisors on Monday at 5.30 at Mayhek um, to share and hear about those concerns. Ben Scales. Um for-profit health care is uh, a big target of mine. Um, I don't think there should be for-profit health care. I think we should have single-payer health care. And um, I think that HCA's, uh, it, it, the, the changes that they're proposing and the, the things that they're doing to the people that already work there, uh, the, the changes to the care models that they're talking about um, are just further indication that, that, that profit cannot be part of the program. Um, I also support expanding Medicaid with, a, with, an, with an additional caveat that I think that the, uh, the private health care insurance companies should be paying for that expansion. Um, I'm, there's, there's federal money that's going to be there, but there's, there's going to be a component that the state's going to have to put up as well, and I think that, that we should have a new tax on uh, the, the private insurance industry, which the private insurance industry, the for-profit uh, health care companies are all going away once we get to single-payer health care, and uh, that, that's how I would approach the problem. Okay. Travis Smith. Yeah, d definitely expand Medicaid immediately. It's been 10 years, and more than 1,000 people die every year in North Carolina because they're in that gap. We're, we're, the, we're the last developed country that doesn't have universal health care. You know, the ACA was a big step forward, but we're not there yet. All the other developed countries figured this out. Everyone used to have private insurers. And in the 1950s, for the most part, everyone recognized that this requires heavy, heavy regulation or just have the government run health care. There's, there's a big spectrum on exactly how you get universal health care. And I'm a proponent of let's get it. I'm, I'm agnostic on how we do it. Uh, in North Carolina, if, if anyone's building a list of uh, immoral and unethical actions that Republicans have been taking, if you don't already have the privatization of, of Medicaid on there, throw that on the list too. And uh, it was about two years ago that this passed through the General Assembly that, well, it was three years ago. What's happened and the rollout was supposed to go live January 1st is that instead of having a government state run insurance program that covers Medicaid for everyone in North Carolina. It was handed over to private insurers. That was supposed to go live January 1st, 
and was blocked because of the budget disagreements and the impasse. But this is still a train that's, that's going to roll ahead. So it's, it's, we can't be surprised when we see private insurers and private hospitals prioritize their own profits over care for patients, and, and we have to fix it. All right. Uh, next question, we'll start with Penn Scales, and that is, what do you think the biggest uh, infrastructure need in Senate District 49 is, and how would you address it? Um, Senate District 49, I would say, uh, well, high-speed rail would be great. If we had some way to get um, around the state uh, other, than, other than cars, I think, is, is, is one way. Uh, the other thing is uh, um, we, we need to have uh, transit that, that, that works for everybody uh, in a way that, that gets people um, where they need to be. Um, right now, the bus system is... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's doing it's doing okay. I mean, I, I, I will commend uh, uh, Ms. Mayfield on the, on the efforts that she's made in the transit that field. I think y'all done great work, um, but there's a lot of lot that needs to happen. Um, I believe that we need to have uh, fare free buses, um, and we need to figure out a way to work that so that it doesn't burden our bus drivers and workers in the in that industry. Um, uh, I'm, I'm proud that I've, I'm. I've been endorsed by the uh, AC- AFL-CIO, and that's one of their, their biggest issues. Uh, they want to have fare-free buses, but they also uh, don't want it to be um, turned into uh, so that they're taking care of a bunch of people who, who don't have another place to be during the day. Um, and uh, I think we can, we can make sure that our mobility, our citizens are mobile um, in a way that uh, uh, is equitable and fair. Okay. Travis Smith. Uh, where to start? Um, I mean, we've got roads, bridges, and sidewalks that are crumbling. We've got inadequate public transportation. We've got stormwater that's insufficient and causes more flooding than we need to have, and it's aimed to get worse with climate change. We've got firefighters that, when they start, they're so underpaid, they qualify for public assistance. We, this is one of the main reasons why we need to have our occupancy tax better helping us. To, to pick one to directly answer your question, um, I, I guess general infrastructure funding for, for roads. Yeah, roads, bridges, sidewalks, if I had to pick one. Yeah. Julie Mayfield. Yeah, um, hard, hard to pick one, as, as we've all struggled with. Uh, I think I would probably have to say transport regional transportate regional transit actually um so you know this district is very different we have the city of Asheville. we also have a lot of rural parts of the county um and the transportation needs there are different uh, so Asheville is um on track to uh implement its new transit master plan funding for transit has actually increased 60 percent since i got elected to council four years ago and i'm very proud of that record um, the system has expanded it is continuing to expand um, it is still not good enough um, so uh, we we need to do more and we need new funding options from Raleigh uh, to do that. We also need regional transit. So the dynamic here, because Asheville is is increasingly unaffordable, is that people are moving out of the city. What they find then is that their transportation budget goes up and their cost of living actually is not that different. So we what we don't have now is an effective regional transit system. We also have 50,000 people a day who commute into the city of Asheville from Canton and Waynesville and Hendersonville and Brevard. And um, we need ways to get those folks in here without 
cars. Um, I serve, I'm actually vice chair of the Regional Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is our regional transportation planning organization. We are launching a study on regional transit this um, early this year, uh, and I'm excited about that um, and think that will um, think that will really help all of us from an affordability and mobility standpoint. Okay. We're going to go to our final question of the day before uh, before closing statements. And our final question, we'll start with Travis Smith, is what measures, if any, do you support regarding guns and the prevention of mass shootings? That is that is a very, tri very, very tricky and very difficult question for any progressive Democrat, any Democrats to answer, because we know our opponents on the other side are single-issue voters, and it, it energizes them. Uh, every word that comes out of my mouth right now is possibly getting another Republican to show up in the general election to vote, and that's what we don't want to happen. That being said, the lowest hanging fruit in North Carolina is to close the loophole for private gun shows in which you don't have to get a background check. Why is that still happening? That, that's, that's nonsense. I, having, growing up, having grown up in, in Canada, there are tons of hunters in that country, and those hunters use long rifles. There's, it, it's questionable, uh, the enthusiasm for all sorts of weapons. That being said, the gun show loophole um, is, is, on my, is on my agenda. If that, if that legislation shows up, I'll co-sponsor that for sure. Yeah, so gun violence is a is a huge problem. It tears holes in the fabric of our society every day. We, we we there hardly a day goes by when you don't hear about something. So there are several things we can do at the state level. Um, uh, we first need to ban assault-style weapon, weapons and magazines. That's a no-brainer. We need to require universal background checks, um, as Travis has said. Um, we also need to prevent violent offenders from um, being able to have guns going forward, and particularly perpetrators of domestic violence. Um, but we also need to invest more in violence prevention and counseling that will help people have a different outlet for the feelings and emotions that are driving them to, um, to take the actions they are right now with guns. I, I will also add that two-thirds of gun deaths are suicide, which, again, goes to the fact that we need more counseling, more, mental, more availability of um, mental health assistance um, in our schools for young people. It gets back to the Medicaid question. Um, we, it, this, is, this is not just people going after people. Much of the gun death in our community is, um, is self-inflicted and inflicted on people that, um, that the perpetrator knows. And um, that just comes back to mental health. Okay. Ben Scales. Um, I, uh, I'm not worried about the political repercussions of my uh, my position on this, uh, I think that the, uh, um, the people dying is worth more than whether someone, whether I lose an election because of my positions on, the, on this. Um, I believe also that we should have universal background checks. We should have red flag laws that protect, uh, that take guns out of the hands of dangerous people. Um, we should have mandatory registration and insurance for guns. Um, if you have to have insurance to drive a car, you should have to have insurance to have a gun. Um, I also believe we should ban um, a private ownership of all military-style weapons, including assault weapons and bump stocks and high-capacity magazines. 
Um, I also uh, support uh, more funding for mental health treatment so that uh, we can uh, address the, 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 the people that shouldn't have guns, why shouldn't they have guns? Because if, if they shouldn't have guns, then they probably have some other problems in their lives that we need to be addressing as well. Um, and uh, I've been, uh, I, I'm sure y'all got the same, same uh, questionnaires from the different gun rights groups. I love filling out those questionnaires. I love saying, yeah, no, 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 no. And I hope that I get a zero grade from the NRA. Thank you. All right, we're now at the time for closing statements from each of our candidates. They will be given uh, a 60-second closing statement uh, for today's forum. But first, I want to thank them all for coming today, and thank you all for watching and listening to our forum today from Blue Ridge Public Radio. And we will start with Ben Scales. Thank you. Um, I'm going to read a, a quote that, uh, that, I, that, that, that moves me quite deeply. Um, it's, uh, it's from Greta Thunberg. Um, and it says, the biggest danger, talking about climate change, is not inaction. The real danger is when politicians and CEOs are making it look like real change is happening, when in fact almost nothing is being done apart from clever accounting and creative PR. And she was talking specifically about uh, world leaders that are misleading the public with insufficient emission reduction pledges. And I believe that that's what, um, what we're getting a lot of with Duke Energy and with uh, some of our political leaders. Um, we, we sometimes think, well, if we, if we can uh, get a, a public relations uh, win from one, from one of these entities, that, that, that's, that's how we win. I don't think that's how we win. I think we win by being aggressive with taking the power away from the corporatocracy and bringing it back to the people. And that's what I will do as your next senator. Okay. Travis Smith. Yeah, thanks, Matt, for having us here today. It's been a, it's been a, a pleasure, definitely. Um, rolling from the last question to closing statement is, um, if anyone has a passing interest in public education in North Carolina, check out the Leandro report, which came out in December. This is a state, a state court issued this report. and. It's just packed full of wonderful policy recommendations that I'd like to see the entirety in state law. And, and talking about gun violence in schools, part of the recommendations were our ratios of social workers and counselors per student is way off. Kids who need help and guidance aren't getting it. Um, you know, knocking on doors in this district has been so fantastic. We're just packed full of wonderful, loving, progressive Democrats. And everyone's uh, delightfully supportive of funding our public schools, expanding Medicaid, getting action on climate change, and raising our minimum wage, and, and fixing our occupancy tax. So it's, it's a real delight. Thanks. Okay. And Julie Mayfield. Yeah, thank you also for having us and for folks who are watching. Uh, so what you've probably heard here today is that there's not actually a lot of daylight between the three of us on a number of issues. There's some subtle differences, um, but but we, we, are aligned, we are largely aligned on most of these issues. I think the question that voters should be asking themselves is, who can be the most effective representative uh, for their interests in Raleigh? Who can get the most done? Um, I would argue that my time on council, my um, years of legislative advocacy uh, in the North Carolina legislature and the Georgia legislature have prepared me to do this. I've already talked about the relationships I have with um, our decision makers, with our governor, 
dinner with other state leaders, with statewide groups. And uh, I, I, think I, I think those relationships and my experiences have given me the vision, values, relationship, and experience to represent the people of this district well. And in recognition of that, I have been endorsed by uh, Senator Terry Van Dyne, whose seat we are all running to take, um, Esther, Mayor Esther Manheimer, Vice Mayor Gwen Whistler, um, VJ Kapoor, Todd Williams, our district attorney, also by the Sierra Club, by Lillian's List, and by Equality NC. And if you, great, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you again to the candidates for coming today. I want to also thank some of our staff here at Blue Ridge Public Radio for aiding us today. Matt Piken, who's been running the cameras and the graphics, and Duncan Fowler and Lee Wiltshire, who are back in the control room running the audio. You've been listening to a candidate forum with the three candidates seeking the Democratic nomination for the North Carolina State Senate seat for District 49, which covers central and western Buncombe County. Early voting concludes on February 29th for the primary, and those who have not yet registered to vote can only vote during the early voting period. The deadline to request an absentee by mail ballot is February 25th, and primary day itself is Tuesday, March 3rd. And remember, you do not need photo ID to vote in the primary election. I'm Matt Bush, and I thank you for listening. Thank you.